Locked On Podcast Network presents Locked On Sports Today. The Cleveland Guardians are fighting for division crowns, so why did they just trade away one of their most reliable starting pitchers? Also, another contending team traded its closer, and why the MLB Executive of the Year Award is already locked up. I'm Kainani Stevens, in for Peter Bukowski. The Cleveland Guardians made an interesting move on Monday. They traded a reliable starting pitcher for a prospect. Locked On's Jeff Carr is joined by Locked On Guardians host Justin Lada to look at why Cleveland made the trade. Not surprised they moved him at all. I think they they definitely were shopping him and wanted to see what value they could get out of him. Uh, a little more surprised this is a one-for-one deal, but I think that says... A, something about his value would be also they were looking for quality, too. This is normally a trade where they would normally have gotten two, three, four pieces in the past. Uh, a one-for-one one one deal either suggests that the, the value, the market wasn't necessarily too hot, but also they were looking for quality here. The guy coming back from the Tampa Bay Rays is Kyle Manzardo. He is a first baseman that has a great hit tool, has uh, interesting thoughts. There's some people that think that he has great game power. There's other folks that say it needs work. Uh, according to MLB Pipeline, he was rated number 37 in their top 100 prospects. Where does he slot in for the Guardians on day one? He's definitely in the top 15, possibly probably top 10, to be honest. They've graduated some prospects there this year, especially in terms of pitching. Hitting prospects hasn't been that good. I mean, Bo Naylor is up at the big league level. Brian Rocchio still there. George Valera has been hurt all year. John Kenzie Noel is, is not really hitting a ton this year. So they don't have a whole lot of hitting prospects that aren't either teenagers, especially not at the upper level. So definitely a top 10 hitter for them and a position of need. This is not a not an organization that has a lot of up and comers at first base right now. So with kind of hitting being the goal and especially in, you know, the years to come and stuff like that, with the fact that they're only a half game out of the division, what does this trade tell you about where the guardians see themselves in relation to the rest of the AL central? I think you kind of have to take the, the divisional context out of this. I think this okay. is purely a value play for them. If they were in any other division right now, they're, they're clear sellers, right? This is not a team that would be competing in any other division of baseball, maybe the NL central. I don't know if it's a geography thing. So I think you have to take the divisional component out of it and just look at the value here. The guardians continually in the race too, continually are both teams that don't really go into the buyer seller you know, kind of ethos. They are more, let's get this value for this player right now. I don't care where we're playing. And again, they addressed a positional need for them, a guy they think they can hit. They have to find offense, whether it's this year, whether it's next year or, or two years beyond. And they moved a guy who is very controllable, cheap. The market suggests that there weren't going to be a lot of controllable starters on you know this time of year. We've seen a lot of rentals go in the trade deadline so far and the rental returns have been high teams who are selling rent, you know, are, are trading rental players are getting seemingly good returns. So it makes sense. The guardians would, would try to see what value Aaron Savali has. And this is a guy who has been hurt a lot. He has never pitched a full season. He was hurt already this year. So you're capitalizing on his value being at its peak right now with control left being really cheap in arbitration and, you know, banking on the fact that this guy's probably going to get injured again. He's probably not going to throw 180 innings in his career. So they have more pitching coming. They're trying to get healthy on that end of things, but this is about addressing a positional need that they can hope that can help as soon as next year and capitalizing on a guy's value right now while it's at its highest. What kind of consideration do you give uh, for the front office matchup in this trade? Because 
everybody considers the Tampa Bay Rays to be that one team in their fantasy league that nobody wants to trade with, but the Guardians have garnered quite a bit of respect as well with the way that they've built up their front office. Yeah, fans would probably want to tell you that this is not a good way to go, right? They have not fared well in trades with Tampa Bay. They acquired Jake Bowers previously in the Carlos Santana deal. They also offloaded some cash, got some money in return. That didn't go well, obviously. Jake Bowers did not play well for them. And there's the more recent swap of trading Junior Caminero, who is now a top 10 prospect across baseball, and they got Tobias Myers back. And Tobias Myers, I believe, is with Baltimore, or not Baltimore, Milwaukee at the double-A right now. That trade went horribly sideways for them. So there are a lot of people who would tell you this is not a good avenue to go down. They have not fared well in their trades with the Rays. They are probably the one franchise that is more brutal to deal with than, than Cleveland. They are very hard to deal with. And Cleveland has a reputation like that as well. But these are two clubs that, that do match up value-wise, obviously, on paper. They've made a lot of trades over the years, and they clearly feel like they're getting a good end on, on each each side of these trades here. Um, but it is hard to deal with with front offices that that have this much success trade-wise. No, Maybe it's nobody wants to trade with the Guardians because, <laughs> except for the Rays, Nobody has fared well trading with the Guardians for the most part in terms of who they're giving up in the minor league players. I mean, ask the San Diego Padres who they would like to get back at from those trades with them, right? So the Rays are just the one team that's kind of gotten away with more in terms of the Guardians. But we'll see if they can kind of make this one out into a better situation. You can stay up to date all year long on the Cleveland Guardians by subscribing to Locked On Sports Today and Locked On Guardians on your favorite podcast app and on YouTube. Thanks for making Locked On Sports Today your first listen. Coming up, why did the Mariners just trade their closer? Before we get to that, though, the Broncos lost two receivers on Monday. Take your first swing at betting MLB on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. That's right. You bet just 20 bucks and you'll land $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. That's 200 you can spend betting everything from the money line to the over-under to who you think is going to hit the first home run. The Rays and Yankees square off in the Bronx. FanDuel has the same odds on either team to win. So whether you pick the Rays or the Yankees on the money line, the odds are minus 108. Of course, you can also combine multiple prop bets in a single game for a bigger payout with FanDuel's Same Game Parlay. All of that's on the app. It's safe, secure, super easy for you to use. Plus, when you win, you get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet on MLB than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Sign up today. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel is the official partner of Major League Baseball. Now, here's what you need to be locked on today. The Denver Broncos got some bad news today on two of their receivers in Tim Patrick and KJ Hamler. Patrick tore his Achilles and he will be out for the year while Hamler announced on Instagram that he has been diagnosed with pericarditis. Hamler intends to return at some point this season. In his Instagram post, Hamler said he was experiencing chest pains during workouts before camp started and he had also suffered a torn chest muscle earlier this offseason. The Broncos' top four receivers, Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, Hamler, and Patrick, have played exactly two games together in the last three seasons. The Milwaukee Brewers added another bat, but it's not the one that's really going to move the needle. Well, Ken, he's a guy, he's probably going to play right field with the Brewers. I was hoping for a bigger back, to be honest with you. Maybe Jimenez from the White Sox. Uh, not that it's still not, might not be done, but I mean, we're, Ken is one of those guys 
can play a bunch of different positions. You can put him at third base, you put him in the outfield, move him around. You know, 249 batting average, you know, six home runs. Uh, not having a great year with the New York Mets. The Brewers gave up, I believe, their number 20 prospect in this deal. Um, so, yeah, I, I just I wonder where he's going to play. The Chicago Cubs added a third baseman. My immediate reaction was a little bit surprised because about a week ago at this time uh, throughout the city, it was a huge debate whether the Cubs forget buying. We're going to be either, you know, standing pat or selling. Um, and they've won a bunch of games in a row. And, and now we're able to get probably, I would say, the best rental bat on the market, um, or at least up there uh, for two guys that, I, that I'm sure we'll get into. But uh, it's a really exciting day for the Cubs. That was the, the Cubs situation right now on the farm is they have a lot of guys uh, like Kevin Mate and, and DJ Hertz, who are guys who are definitely intriguing prospects, but they're not they're not sure thing. They're not sure fire guys. They could, if you told me in 2027, both guys were huge parts of the Nationals team, I wouldn't be surprised. If you told me that both guys, you know, aren't on the Nationals in four years, I wouldn't be surprised. And the Cubs have a, a, a surplus of guys like that. So at some point, they are going to have to get rid of them one way or another. And the best way to do that is to acquire a, a big-time bat that can help you make a run at the postseason. So I definitely don't feel like they gave up too much. I mean, from the Nationals' perspective, though, you know, I think they'll be okay with that return because rentals are always tricky this time of year, you know? And on the diamond, the Phillies beat the Marlins to squeak by them for the moment in the standings. The Philadelphia Phillies take down the Miami Marlins 4-2, and that is more like it. Connor Thomas, your host of Locked On Phillies. Solid win to start out the series in Miami. It wasn't the cleanest start at the beginning by Tywin Walker, but he did what he's been doing all year. He gave up a two-run home run early, but battled through it and had a great start for the Phillies. The bullpen was lights out. Craig Kimbrell gets another save. Alec Bohm is becoming one of more the one of the more clutch hitters in baseball. I mean, great work by him. Honestly, could the Phillies have won this game by more? Sure, but they get the win, and Rob Thompson makes a couple important defensive replacements in the ninth inning to put the Phillies in position to win. This is how you bounce back from a really rough way to end the series in Pittsburgh. I love what the Philadelphia Phillies did tonight. I love the way they started this, and with three more games still down in Miami, an opportunity to continue to stack wins against a team you should be able to handle. We'll talk more on the next episode of Locked on Phillies. Here's another story you need to know. The Seattle Mariners are hanging around in the playoff picture. Instead of making an addition, they traded away their closer on Monday. Logged on Mariners co-host Ty Gonzalez has more. Uh, yeah, the return did surprise me a little bit, but also we're still, as we're recording this, about 24 hours away from the actual deadline. So I, I think there's still move, moves that are going to happen here. I still think that they're that Jerry DePoto and Justin Holland are still going to be working on some things here. Um, so I don't think we have the full picture necessarily. Um, and maybe we'll get into that a little bit here. But overall, in a vacuum, this is a really nice return for Paul Seawald. Um, you got a year and a half of a of a closer who's not really a household name. Obviously, it's been a seller's market for the relievers in particular. You have to wonder, even if you're the Mariners who are four and a half games out of a playoff spot right now, what could you get for Paul Seawald? And they ended up getting two major league bats and another interesting prospect who's pretty much on the doorstep might be able to get a cup of coffee at the major league level. 
uh, at the end of this year, definitely pretty early on next year in Ryan Bliss. So from that aspect, I think this is a great deal. But as far as the 2023 Mariners go, I think they got worse today. It's such a weird spot to be in, right? Because they're kind of still in it, but they're not necessarily like, so it's not going to be necessarily a fire sale. But what other moves do you think could potentially be on the horizon for them? Well, I think that maybe the rumors about Teoscar Hernandez getting traded are a little more founded now, uh, now that they have pulled the trigger on a seawall deal. Maybe they are open to trading Ty France. I don't think that you're going to be able to get a whole lot for Ty France because he's a first base only who doesn't hit for a lot of power and is kind of struggling right now. So I don't know if that's the smartest move. Um, But if they're still serious about 2023, then I would expect that they have another deal lined up for a Seawald replacement. I think that's very important for them because Seawald was kind of the only stable reliever that they've had all year. A lot of other guys, Andres Munoz, uh, Matt Brash have been up and down, up and down all year long. So you're trading one of your, I mean, your most trusted high leverage reliever here in Seawald. So again, if they're, if they're focused on 2023 still, they, they need to get a Seawald replacement. They still need a number five starter who can eat some innings and get them you know, and, and take some of the load off of uh, Brian Wu and not put as much pressure on someone like Emerson Hancock to pick up those innings. And they still need at least another outfield bat and maybe another infielder, even though they added Josh Rojas here and he can play some third, he can play some second. Rojas hasn't had a good year and he's been banged up all year. So I don't know if that's necessarily an answer. He's better than Colton Wong, but Colton Wong is such a low bar to clear that I don't know if you've actually made much of an upgrade here with, with Rojas. So uh, yeah, if they're still focused on 2023, then I'm, I'm, that's what I would look at. But if it's if they're just straight up selling right now, if that's what it is, then yeah, I think Tay Oscar Hernandez is gone. I think Ty France could be gone, and we'll see on anyone else. Maybe there's some surprises. Obviously, we still got that next 24 hours to kind of figure this out. But if they do kind of toss in the towel, if you want to put it that way, what kind of sure. prospects would you look for? Obviously, you can never have enough pitching, but is there something else that you kind of look at as a whole for the future that they really need to address? Well, it's a similar return to this right? Guys that are either majorly ready or right there on the doorstep. If you're the Mariners with where they are right now, you really have little to no interest in guys who are two, three, four years away from the big leagues. Uh, because this offseason, if you are kind of punting 2023, this offseason, you're not rebuilding, you're just retooling. You're getting ready for another run next year because you have Julio and you have JP Crawford and you have all these guys that are either in their prime or they're they're just good right now. Like yeah. you want to take advantage of that while you can. Um, so yeah, it's it's guys like Dominic Canzone who who you've added here, who's crushed at every level of the minor leagues and is now finally in the in the majors. And you think get something out of him. And again, you got all this club control, right? So yeah, guys that are right there or about to be right there, like like a Ryan Bliss as well. So very similar idea there. Of course, you can stay up to date all year long in the Seattle Mariners by subscribing to Locked On Sports Today and Locked On Mariners on your favorite podcast app and on YouTube. Coming up, the MLB Executive of the Year is known. The Cincinnati Reds have probably been the biggest surprise in Major League Baseball this year. Last year, they lost 100 games. This year, they're fighting for a division title. The architect of the roster responsible is Nick Kroll. As he made his first trade of the season on Monday, locked on Reds co-host Jeff Carr, 
checks in with us. He believes that now Kroll is just padding his resume for MLB Executive of the Year. And Nick Kroll has really put together an amazing young roster that I don't necessarily think they've got to go crazy with making these big trades to kind of bridge the gap between them and the other National League uh, contenders when it comes to the playoffs. But still, this was a necessary move. The Reds only had one left-hander in their bullpen all year long, Alex Young, and he has already moved into territory that he is unfamiliar with in his career, pitching far more games than he ever has. And he's he's done a very nice job, but the one thing that's very strange with him is that he is a lefty who doesn't pitch well against left-handed pitch, or, uh, hitters. But Sam Mole does. Sam Mole fits that mold. In fact, against left-handed hitters, he has allowed a 197 batting average, and left-handed hitters have a 557 OPS against him. So it's very, very big box checked for the Reds on the bullpen side, which is necessary for a bullpen that has not one but three pitchers that lead the league in appearances. I think that Nick Kroll, at the end of the day, absolutely deserves the benefit of the doubt whether they make another trade or not the way that he has built this team he is up for executive of the year i don't even know who's contending with him at this point and if he can add at the deadline to solidify this reds playoff candidacy then uh, just hand him the award now don't wait till award season in december you certainly don't do it for the awards but that wouldn't be the worst hardware for cincinnati to take home and finally, DeMar Hamlin is working through training camp, trying to get back onto the field for a game this year. Few people have the kind of perspective that Hamlin brings to the table. Uh, man, it feels amazing. It's a roller coaster of emotions. I was kind of all over the place, you know, just kind of being back for the first time. But um, God don't make no mistakes, you know what I'm saying? I'm on God's timing. As much as the NFL is, you know, on schedule and camp starts this day, this is all God's timing, you know what I mean? So. You'll hear me say that a lot up here. I'm trusting in him, and, and that's that's my strength in, in all of this right now. Like, I uh, pretty much lost my life playing this sport. You know what I'm saying? So to come back and do it all over again, you know, it's just a, it's a, it's just, you know, it's, it's all over the place. You know what I mean? But I'm rooted in my faith. I'm rooted in, you know, the love of that I receive from my family, um, my teammates, you know, and the love all around the world. That just, it, it keeps me going. You know what I'm saying? And I, I got goals. That I, that I still want to achieve within this game, you know? And football teaches you so much about yourself. It teaches you so much about life. Uh, you learn so much about yourself through the game. You know what I mean? And honestly, you know, nothing, what, what bigger challenge? You know what I mean? It's a, it's a challenge, so you know I'm embracing it. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Now go find your favorite team's Locked On podcast. Make that your second listen. Coming up tomorrow, we will see who wins at the trade deadline. So at least until tomorrow, stay locked on sports today.